0: really heavy missional season. We serve a lot uh, during this time of the year, really now through the end of the year. Um, Starting today, and you'll see little cards on your your chairs, uh, but we will adopt uh, families out in Jenny Lane, which is the trailer park that we've ministered to and in for years and years. Um, And you, your family, will adopt a family there to provide Thanksgiving meal for them. Um, We have over 60 uh, families that we're going to do this for this year, and Uh, Kind of just to be clear one you do have families out there that will not have thanksgiving um, Unless we provide it for them Two, These are people who have said yes I would like a thanksgiving meal. So they're they're counting on us to do it now Um, so uh, If you could go by the table when we're done here today, there'll be people there to help you and sign you up Um, But that'll be to provide thanksgiving meals out in uh, Jenny lane and then our our life's purpose, which was carter's kids um, They've changed their name to life's purpose. We'll have our christmas with them Uh, I think december 22nd or something like that Uh, and so that's coming up really quickly and we're going to start signing you up for gifts for that Um within the next couple of weeks So we're just right in the middle of like I said our really really busy kind of missional time So I wanted to just make you aware of those things. So uh, again, we're going to be in first uh, thessalonians chapter 4 As we've seen in the first three chapters paul's just been encouraging them he doesn't write to correct them. Actually, I don't know if there's any correctional teaching in the book of First Thessalonians. He's just encouraging them. He's like, You are on the right path. You're doing the things that God wants you to do. You're living a God-honoring life. I just want to encourage you in that. Uh, and we're going to see that more directly uh, given to them, more specifically given that to them uh, this week. And I think also to us. Paul loves this church. He loves us these people. Um, and uh, he wants to. Move with I think most of us have to move from when we want to encourage someone We can't just go up and say hey good job. Great job, buddy. Keep working. Good job, you know Um, Eventually to really encourage somebody you have to move from general encouragement and general prayer requests to specifics You have to get specific with people real advice real help with people And I think the best place for that to happen is in loving relationships Um, We do our best to help you with that with what we call life groups Um, But there are other places where that can happen also here Um, But I I think that that kind of encouragement happens best um, In in those kind of small group loving relationships that we have in our our life groups Um, Our pastors want to help you and we're here to help you Um, But again, I think the people in a small group setting are going to know you best They're going to know you better They're going to be able to speak into you and love you and just facilitate life with you better So I think that kind of encouragement happens uh, Better in that small group setting but again, as you're looking to, to encourage people As you're looking to lift people up and encourage them You've got to move beyond the general Hey, praying for you, hope everything's okay To specifics, I know what's going on in your life I know what's happening with you And I know how to speak some truth and life into that So we're going to see Paul do that today He's going to move beyond these general Hey, good job, to very specific things So chapter 4, First Thessalonians chapter 4 <coughs> Verse 1 he says finally then brethren we request and exhort you in the lord jesus that as you receive from us the instruction as to how you ought to walk and please god just as you actually do walk that you excel still more for you know what commandments we gave you by the authority of the lord jesus for this is the will of god your sanctification that is that you abstain From sexual immorality We're going to stop right there And kind of get into these specifics that I think Paul has for them Here I think in this text Is the the great goal Of the Christian life We're going to get in this text We're going to get knowing God I think loving God is a part of that And living to please God Knowing God, loving God, and living to please God I think that is the core of what it means To be a believer, to be a Christian To be a Christ follower Knowing God, loving God, and living in such a way that we Would please god so paul is going to throughout this text and i'm going to kind of summarize what he's about to do But in these verses, we're going to look at paul's going to sort of uh, Give them evaluation questions to ask themselves. So he's like listen if you want to represent god really well If you want to point people to jesus christ paul says ask yourself these questions How do you know if you are living to please god? And I think that's a great question. How do I know if i'm living my life in a way to please god? Right that pleases god, but also intentionally to please god How do I know if those things are happening? How do I know if i'm living in god's will which by the way twice in this text? He's already said part of god's will for you is that you please god part of god's will for you is that you are Sanctified we'll talk about that in a moment How do I know if i'm doing that? Here we go. Are you excelling in sanctification? We're going to talk about sanctification. Don't let that wig you out or anything. Okay, we're going to come back to that Are you excelling in sanctification The second question Paul asks is is How's your sex life Now we're going to use the sex word a lot today Okay, It's in the text, all the teenagers are like Yes, I love church, right (laughs) Um, But (laughs) there's a lot of us Who get wigged out by that idea But we're going to use it a lot today And we're going to talk about it a lot today Because Paul and God have a lot to say about that So how's your sex life Third thing, are you right with your brother Your Christian believer, other believers Are you right with them next thing do you hear and submit to the holy spirit this is all in this text that we're going to read not the first three verses but the first these 11 verses that we're going to go through today the next one and this is separate from the sex thing this is what's your love life like and this has a lot more to do with are you loving other people well which we've talked about so much paul's already talked about it in first thessalonians repeatedly and he's going to talk about it again here and then the other evaluation question is what are you ambitious for I don't think the christian life is void of ambition and I think that ambition gets a bad rap a lot of times I think there are godly ambitions And so paul one of paul's evaluations questions is what are you ambitious? For are you excelling in sanctification? How is your sex life? Are you right with your brother? Do you hear and submit to the holy spirit? What is your love life like and what are you ambitious for paul's asking these questions? He's like listen, this is how you please god This is how you please god if you want to know what that looks like Ask yourself these questions and then just rate yourself. I'm living. Okay here. I'm not okay here I'm struggling here. This is actually pretty good right now Ask yourself those questions those evaluation questions if you want to do the will of god, which is to please god If you want to live like that, you'll ask yourself now. I want to Help some people in here Maybe a lot of us in here because man as I trudged through this text this week It kind of came back to me over and over again and beat me up a little bit Pleasing God is not the same thing as appeasing God We don't live as Christians to appease God we live as Christians to please God And I want to talk about that and specify what I mean by that the Christian doesn't have to do anything to appease God Because it's already been accomplished by Jesus's death on the cross We talked about this several weeks ago We are the objects of God's wrath because of our sin We are sinners God is completely holy and righteous and because of that his not just his anger His righteous wrath is directed toward us as sinners because we have rebelled against God and his character If I were to try to appease that I can't I can't be good enough. I can't keep the law. I can't help enough old ladies across the street I can't build enough church buildings. I can't do anything to appease the wrath of God I don't have to this is the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ has already taken the wrath of God He has satisfied the wrath of God. So I don't have to live to appease God, but I live to please Him. There is a huge difference. We confuse those things a lot. There's a huge difference between those things. The Christian aims to please God by living a life that matches the greatness of everything that we've been given and everything that God's doing in us. How do I please God? Let me just ask you this question. How awesome is the gift that Jesus has given you, Christian? How amazing is it? Just, you want to just think about the forgiveness of your sins If you want to strip it down to that He has forgiven you of your sins That's amazing Does your life match that gift? Now what about the access to Him? We just called Him Father and approached His throne And laid down our cares in front of Him Does your life match that gift? When you think about the greatness of the work That God has done for you You will want to live in a way that pleases God Not to pay Him back because you can't But to be thankful for all that he's done in us We want to live like this Now I want you to think about this We want to live God's way Because it makes God happy Have you ever thought about that? What makes God happy? Now dads, moms and dads Let's just stretch it into our world What makes you happy? With your kids What makes you happy when you think about your children You're like I just don't want them to touch each other ever again Right? (laughs) Right? I would be happy if they just didn't do that, right? As your children go older, you want them to be happy. You want them to live lives that are fulfilling. You want them to live lives that are God-honoring. God is very similar to that, and he knows that the best way for us to live, the best way for us to be fulfilled, the best way for us to be satisfied in all of life for eternity is to live his way, to live in such a way that pleases God. So the Christian does this because it makes God happy. Not because it earns us anything So listen If you're trying to be good to get God To do something for you or to give you something Stop because that's not the way this works We don't have a quid pro quo with God Right God I'm going to do five good things so you'll give me one I'm going to do one big good thing So you'll give me a thousand little good things That's not the way this works We live this way To honor God Because it pleases our father and it makes him happy some of us, that's not a high enough motivation. But this is the motivation that I think a maturing Christian begins to understand. So we're not pleasing God. We're not trying to get anything from God. Our identity and our worth are not in what we do. God doesn't look at you and go, man, I would love you a lot more if you would just get rid of that computer. I would really love you a lot more if you could just quit playing so many games. I'd really love you a lot more if you would just quit working so hard. Then I could really love you so many of us our identity with god is tied up in what we're doing or what we're not doing here's the deal guys our identity with god is not tied up in what we do or don't do in our values or how good we are because here's the thing the minute that you say for god to love me for me to be acceptable to god for me to keep god's love i have to do there's always something on the back of that you realize that for God to do this to give me love In order for God to love me more In order for me to be more acceptable God, to God I have to I need to do this The minute you begin to think like that First of all You're obligated to fulfill Whatever system you just set up In order for God to love me I have to vote Republican in every election That's the only way God will love me Really? I have to not watch rated R movie ever Really? What system, and I'm just asking you Like I have to buy triple unleaded gasoline I have to recycle everything that's recyclable What is it that you are going to stick onto your life That's like God will love me more if I do that The minute you do that, you're obligated Do you realize that? You have just set up a system First of all, that doesn't set you free It makes you a slave You are now enslaved to your own system To get God to love you more And that is a horrible, horrible place to be Because you'll probably fail at it today and then God won't love you See how that works? It's awful, it's, awful. It's, a cr- it's a prison that you create And it crushes you It doesn't set you free When I know who I am And that the Holy Spirit is in me I am free And I want to excel at pleasing God Who are you? You are a child of God You are a joint heir with Christ You are God's beloved You are according to the Old Testament The apple of his eye That's who you are And the minute you understand that You're now free to do what God's given you And you want to please God Because he loves you like that And your identity isn't in what you're doing Or what you're not doing I think this is the heart and the soul Of what it means to be a Christian And the Christian life with God Why do we do the will of God? Why do we walk to please God? Why do we follow any commandments? Why do we want to excel in sanctification Which we'll talk about in a second It's because we love God Tim Keller says this way, he says, when you love someone, you're happy to the degree that they're happy. You don't follow their will as a means to get other things you want. Their love and their joy are the main things you want. They are ends of themselves. When you love God, you're not doing things to get things from Him. You love Him, and His joy is your joy. When we really understand When we really grasp everything that God has given us and how Jesus gave up so much for us to love me and to serve me, I am overfilled with joy. I'm overflowing with joy, and I am motivated to know God and to please God and to resemble Jesus Christ. I'm happy when God is happy. You ever thought about that? You just maybe put that somewhere. I'm happy when God is happy. And by living to please him, I am actually freer and happier than I've ever been. I am freer and happier when I live in a way that pleases God than when I think I have to live a certain way to appease God. I think that's the soul of what it means to be a Christian. He says here we're supposed to walk a particular way. This is the way we're supposed to walk in our lives. It means advancement, progress. It's not speed. Thank the Lord, right? Right? He's not saying walk faster. He's like just take a step Just today. Just do that. Just take a step walk with me Right. My mom just had hip surgery and uh, like a hip replacement And I was up there walking with her and I found myself just like with a kid I'm like, hey, just walk just take a step. It's okay. You're gonna be all right Not gonna fall. I got you right and I just have that image of god in my head, right? This is what you're supposed to do walk with god Advancement progress. Don't worry about speed Okay, just take those forward motion steps And he says you're, you're supposed to do this You must do this is what the text says This is not optional Paul looks at this idea of walking with God Like a natural requirement To growing up in the Lord Anything else would be unnatural and disobedient So here's what I want to say to some Christians in the room today You're not walking with the Lord You're just hanging out with the Lord <laughs> Right? You're not advancing. You're not progressing in your spiritual walk. We have seen what happens to people in our church, in our church family, who refuse to go any further with the Lord. They go to a certain place and it's too hard, it's too difficult, there's too much work to be put in, and they just stop right there. And there's no further walking or advancement with the Lord. Some of us are not walking with the Lord. Don't be any easier on yourself than this text lets you be this text says you must walk with the lord You must walk with the lord Don't be comfortable with where you're at. Don't be satisfied with what's already happened You must walk with the lord. You must be making these daily Advancing steps progress so he says you ought to live this way Why ought I live this way? This is something else. that's awesome. I was listening to And watching some podcast between um Effectively an an atheist and somebody that denies God spoke through scripture and somebody who's sort of supporting scripture and at the end of the day It always kind of came back to for the guy who doesn't have scripture or whatever He's like you can never tell me what I ought to do You have no basis on which to tell me I should do anything If we accept this as being God's word, it has authority to tell me you should you must you ought to You ought to do that. You ought to live with your own Why? Why? Because you are not your own You've been bought with a price You don't belong to yourself And and Paul's really going to hammer this in a second We start talking about the sex stuff He's going to really hammer us You are not your own You've been bought with a price That's one reason why you ought to And then here's the other thing Man, Jesus is worth it He's worth it Is he worthy? We sing this song sometimes Is he worthy? Is he? Is he worthy of your daily choices? Is he worthy? And and he's about to go into this, into what you're doing with with your sexual thoughts, your sexual lifestyle, your sexual appetites. Is he worthy? You ought to walk like this because Jesus is worthy. And because you're not your own and you've been bought with the price. Walk with God. Progress. Let's start in verse three and read the next several verses. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, which we're gonna get into here, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel, that means your body, in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who don't know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to the purpose of impurity, But in sanctification three times in three verses sanctification 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 So he who rejects this teaching is not rejecting man, but rejecting god Who gives the holy spirit to you? So it's a heavy little five six verses here That he gives us a lot of talk here about our bodies and sexuality and sanctification And he's like you have to excel at walking with god that's what we're being encouraged to. So we're moved beyond, hey, good job, keep it up, to, no, I want you to excel at walking with God. I want you to excel at sanctification. So what does that begin to look like? And again, we're gonna talk about this idea of sanctification, what that means. Our church has defined this like this. Sanctification is the process of maturity as God conforms us to his son's image. Sanctification fuses man's responsibility God's work and the church's equipping in the Process of a believer's growth in Christ You're like amen blah 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 right That's a lot of words so let's kind of break It down and talk specifically about what we mean For me to to just Make it as simple as possible for Everyone sanctification can be broken into Two things first of all positional Holiness Positional holiness You have been Given the holiness of Jesus The righteousness of Christ has been credited To to you there's a lot of other words that we can use to talk about that that's the simplest way for me to help you understand that now I want you to also understand that is not a future state existence truth that's not when I die and get to heaven oh I'm holy this happens at justification this happens the moment you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ you are given the righteousness of Christ amen this is this is the deal y'all this is why you're able to call God father this is why you're able to enter into his presence This is why you're able to go beyond the veil Into the throne room of God Because you have been given the righteousness of Christ That is positional holiness Okay Now the next idea of sanctification So that's already true about us Now Here's the struggle with that I may be positionally holy But practically I'm, in, I'm unholy Right So the second thing is practical holiness And this is what Paul's really hammering on this is, what we, this is why we have to have good theology. Paul's not saying work hard to get the holiness of God. He's not saying work hard to get Christ's righteousness. He's saying work hard so that the righteousness of Christ comes out through you, shines through you, is applied to every area of your life. Practical holiness, the daily realized holiness of Jesus, applying what's in my account to my daily life. Maybe you can look at it like this It's like if you went to the beach And jesus went not to the gulf of mexico Which is a big bathtub right but to the pacific And he's like this is all yours It's mine But i've given it to you And you just go over every day and take a cup out And pour it on yourself Are you ever going to expend what's in that ocean Never That's christ's righteousness in your life The righteousness of christ Has already been gifted to you Practically daily i need to apply it to myself does that make sense that's a little illustration to help you understand what we're talking about here so i'm talking about applying his holiness to your life daily in the most practical ways possible in the bedroom in the boardroom in the classroom in the office in the car in the movie theater everywhere and he says excel in sanctification Excel in pleasing God Walking with God to please him Now why should we excel in this Or why Why does Paul tell this church That's doing a great job To excel in sanctification One because we tend to slide Towards cheap grace and laziness Now cheap grace is Thank you Jesus for dying on the cross for me I know that if I do all these sins today You're going to forgive me So I'm going to do them Because I'm going to trust You're going to forgive me I sin more so that grace may abound That's cheap grace taking advantage of the goodness and the graciousness of God to do what you want to and then asking for forgiveness later cheap grace we have a tendency as Christians to slide toward cheap grace to not understand that there's a daily call to holiness on our lives and the other reason is because we are lazy we read a book on staff some of you guys have other other people have read a book but I I think it's very applicable here we kind of get stuck in that good is good enough thing well, I'm better than I was. I'm not as bad in that area as I used to be. I'm better off than I, than I, than I was a couple years ago. Good is good enough. Saved is good enough. Church once a week is good enough. Guilt for not being the kind of Christian that I want to be is good enough. Panitas is good enough once a year. Life group is good enough once a month. I had a quiet time last month, and that's got to be good. I listened to a podcast last week. That's good, right? I prayed after I cut that guy off in traffic yesterday that's all good enough. We tend to slip toward what's the lowest bar possible for me to get over and still be sort of seen as a Christian. We tend toward laziness and cheap grace. Excel in holiness. Excel in sanctification. Be, so excel, be excellent, right? Isn't that Bill and Ted's excellent? Be excellent, right? Be excellent in sanctification and holiness. Another reason why we should excel we, we just talked about it because it pleases god Why should I excel at this? Why should I be really good at this because it pleases god When you love someone It results in wanting to please them. That's how this whole thing works Another reason to excel is because by god's grace. I get to be holy Now just think about that There's so many people in this room and you think holiness is a drag you think it's like a curse Like I was better off before I got saved Because I didn't have to be as good You get to be holy You get to be set aside Used as a vessel Clean and ready for God to use In every area of your life What an honor That's not a drudgery or a drag Or some kind of penalty for following Jesus It's the great high honor of following Jesus You have been called out Set aside for the works of God Through Jesus Christ It is an honor You get to be holy you get to be more like christ you're like man i want to be used by god i want to please god and because his grace has already secured your position your identity is secure in him you can cooperate with the spirit's work in you now in my house i have several objects okay i want to explain this to you i have wedding pictures i have this this Oh, man, what was that place? We go to the mall. Girls would go to the mall, and they'd pop your hair up real big. What was it? Glamour shots. Any of you ladies do that back in the, okay. So I have, this, I have these early pictures of Mindy and I dating, and I have these, like, a, a wedding picture that looks like a glamour shot picture when we were first got married and everything, right? It does. Big hair, the whole thing, right? That has a position of honor in our house. It always will, okay? Now, I also have a blender in my house, and in a particular room I have a plunger. I may have more than one. <laughs> I have all of these things. Now here's what I want to tell you, they're not equal in honor, but they are equal in value and use. I'm not telling you that if you follow the Lord and you follow Him in holiness and sanctification that you're going to be able to do whatever the most amazing Christian in your life could do, but I will tell you, God will set you aside for a position of usefulness in His kingdom. What an honor! Don't be ticked off because you don't get all the praise and the accolade for following Jesus. The fact that you get to follow him and he uses you in any way is an honor. And you're sitting on his, sh- you know, his shelf of tools and stuff, and sometimes he goes, hey, there's my kid. You've seen his picture lately? I'm about to use him to unclog a toilet. Because he's, he's mine, and I love him, and I want him to grow up to learn what it means to serve people. Some of you are like, oh, no, I don't like that. It's an honor honor to be holy and to be used by the Lord that's why we excel in holiness why do we excel because it directly impacts my ability to be close to God and know his heart to experience his grace and his work in me daily some of you are like man I have no hope in my life I am just beat down by life then if you were to drill a little bit you'd be like well I watch what I want I eat what I want I don't forgive people I harbor bitterness and anger in my heart but I feel so far away from God these things are not compatible. They're not compatible for us as Christians, guys. Following Christ in holiness and sanctification it doesn't mean that the entire time you do it you're going to be right next feel like you're right next to God, but I'm telling you what's going to happen as you follow God in holiness and sanctification, those moments you have with him will be overwhelmingly powerful moments. Richer and deeper than you have ever experienced before. Right? There were some intimate moments. I, I can remember a night, I have been in Georgia, and it was snowing, and Jordan couldn't have been a year old. And it's snowing. Snow is white stuff that falls from the sky. We don't have <laughs> doesn't happen here. It gets cold. And it's snowing, and I'm up late, like at 12 at night. I don't know what, what he wasn't fussy. I just, maybe I got him up because it was snowing. This is his first snow, you know, and I was like, oh, look, look at the snow, right? Yeah, it's all, right? It's just precious time he doesn't remember that like that's probably the first time he's heard the story you know (laughs) actually right now but there are other intimate moments that we've had because he's grown up he's maturing he's following the things that we have laid into him as parents he's pursuing christ the depth of my relationship with him is so much further than it was when it was cute and sweet and romantic with me as a baby and him does that make sense guys Why do I excel in sanctification because it directly impacts your ability to experience the closeness and the blessings of christ The the depths of your relationship with jesus So if you feel like you're far far away from christ i'm going to shoot back to you. Are you excelling in holiness? Are you excelling in sanctification? Do you love jesus and understand he loves you you're not trying to earn anything you're pleasing him He he tells us to excel in sanctification now here's the deal with sanctification Sanctification has daily practical effects on our lives, our relationships in church, our impact on a lost world, our motives, our general lifestyle, and our sex lives. So, Paul goes immediately from talking about this great big giant church idea of sanctification and he drills down into our sex lives. He gets very uncomfortable, like at the turn of a dime. Here's what that means sanctification includes a theology of sex, like actual sex. So I'm not talking, huh, what? What do you mean by sex? Is that a euphemism? for? No, I mean sex. Sanctification includes a theology of sex, like this. Sex is a celebration of life. You shouldn't see it as anything less than that. Sex is a celebration of life. Sex renews the marital covenant. Now I've just blown some of your practice out of the water. Sex is a renewal of the marital covenant. Not something you do so that we're married under God's eyes. Marital covenant comes first sex comes after It's a renewal of the marital covenant sex is giving myself and not taking for myself It may be the ultimate way that we as believers as christ followers give ourselves to somebody else For them and for their pleasure not for what I get out of it Sex cooperates with god and it creates a life That was biology 101 for anybody that was confused. Okay sex cooperates with god And it creates a life. Sex has boundaries for enjoyment and bonding. Lovingly and fully acceptable boundaries, by the way. When I love someone, when I love Mindy and I'm in this relationship with her, she gets to set the boundaries for how I'm going to behave sexually. Do y'all understand that? And I don't go, wait a minute. I love you and I will gladly adhere to the boundaries that you set in my life in this area. Because I love you. God loves you. He created sex, He's got a purpose for sex, He sets the boundaries. He gets to tell you what's in and what's out What's acceptable and what's not acceptable Sex has boundaries for enjoyment and bonding How we handle sex either confirms or denies what we say we believe about God You cannot demand intimacy with God And demand to live in control of your sex life any way you want to You understand that? And some of us as Christians live in this tension I want intimacy with God. I want to have this closeness with God, but I want to do my sex stuff the way I want to do it. Those two things go hand in hand. Intimacy with God means He gets to tell me in every area of my life, what does it look like to please you? And then my heart bends to that. Because I love you, I want to please you. Because I love you, I want to live the way you're telling me to live. Because it makes you happy. So, yes, I will do it. I can't demand intimacy with God. And demand control over my sex life Any way I want it Here's what I'd say about this Because this has been so abused over the years In churches and s- everything else Any worldview, any theology Any teaching that either overemphasizes sex as ugly Or dirty or shameful Which by the way is an idolatry of self-righteousness Or sees sex as being exalted And ultimately An ultimate which is an idolatry of sex Should be avoided So any religious movement any religious teaching that teaches you that sex is dirty and ugly and shameful and the less sex you have the more godly you are or that exempt that that throws up sexuality and sexual freedom as a way to express your freedom in Christ both those extremes need to be avoided there is a theology of sex and you don't get any more practically holy than what you're doing sexually (laughs) right there's no other part of your life that's more intimate to you feels more personal that you can't submit to God and say, God, I will do even this in a way that pleases you. Excel in holiness and sanctification. Now, I think those things have a great, there's got to be a reason why, you know, what's pushing me toward this, which we talked about knowing God and his love, and we're going to talk about a little more. What's motivating me to chase after this kind of practical holiness? Because now God's not talking about what you're doing for this hour and a half or maybe with what you do with some percentage of your checkbook, which is already hard. Now he's talking about intimate details of your life. What is it that would motivate me to want to chase after that kind of practical holiness? Verse 5, I think it's kind of hidden in here, but I think it's kind of the key. That you would know how to possess your own body in sanctification and honor. Verse 5, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. Why would I, what would cause me to chase after God like this? And I think it's this question, I want to ask it several times. Verse 5, do you know God? If you sense a lacking of motivation here, like, oh God, man, you telling me what to do sexually is just out of bounds. This is my thing. If you feel like God has somehow stepped over some boundary in your life, I want to ask you, do you know God? I think that maybe the root of sanctification is, is learning to know and to trust and to love God's goodness so that other lesser things that I love lose their empowering, their enslaving power in my life. I think this is the secret to sanctification, that I would know God and trust God and love God to the degree that the other things that I love don't enslave me anymore. That is the biblical picture of everything that I follow and I love outside of God. It is my master and it rules me. What did Jesus say? You cannot serve two masters. This might be the the key. So whether that's sexuality or sexual desires or sex itself, now for you that might be acceptance, happiness, family, usefulness. It really doesn't matter what you put in that blank. It's that we have to submit it to the Lord. Do you know God? What lustful passion, which is what he says here, what lustful passion are you ruled by Are you enslaved to because you love it? Here's what I want to tell you, my friends. It pales in comparison to God. What do you think is amazing? What owns your heart? What motivates you to get up and do and drive and think and fantasize and dream and set goals for life? What is it that does that in your heart? Whatever it is, it's nothing compared to who God is. And knowing Him and trusting Him with all of your life and loving Him. K. Arthur, Amazing bible teacher keeping your focus when your dreams are shattered. It's a great bible study by the way She runs through genesis 37 through 50. And she says this. Here's what we know about god. God is omniscient He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's self-sufficient. He's infinite. He's immutable So i'm going to ask do you know god are these words like huh? Do you know god? He's immutable. He's incomprehensible. He's transcendent. He's righteous He's righteous He's loving, he's sovereign, he's holy, he's just, he's merciful. Anybody, amen? He's long-suffering, he is wise, he is good, he is wrathful, he is true, he is jealous, he is fruitful. Do you know God? Some of you have never even heard those words before, much less applied them to God. It's all over scripture. What motivates me to pursue holiness To excel, to be excellent in sanctification? Knowing God. Knowing who God is. So it just kind of slip back. We did this a couple of weeks ago, and I think it's so powerful. Let's just go to love. Do you know God loves you? Some of you come in every week, and you're not sure. Are you convinced? What about just the love of God? Do you know that he loves you? Here's what I mean by that. God does not get flutters in his tummy when he thinks about you. He doesn't go, oh, they're so sweet. God doesn't walk around flowers and pluck petals and think of you. He died for you. God loves you. He calls you right now to be with him. He waits for you. He stands ready to forgive you today. He loves you. God is love. What about when I sin and when I give into my old loves and my old idols and my old sexual practices? J.I. Packer says this. He says, there is a tremendous relief in knowing that God's love to me is utterly realistic, based at every point on prior knowledge of the worst about me. Wow. So that no discovery can disillusion him about me. In the way that I am so often disillusioned about myself and quench his determination to bless me. Do you know God? We we'll just strip it. Do you know God's love? What should motivate you to excel in righteousness and holiness and sanctification? God loves you with the love you can't comprehend. God loves you. And it is a high motivator for us to be holy. And sanctified Now the next thing that Paul does I don't know if this is like The carrot and the stick kind of psychology That's the carrot, here's the stick Because like if you don't live this way God's vengeance is going to come after you Sexually, specifically If you choose not to live this way The vengeance of God Will be poured out on you It's not God's wrath But the vengeance of God will come on you Which we could talk more about that Exactly what the distinctions are Here's what that means god's going to visit these things back on you if you disregard him because that's what he says He's like if you choose to ignore these teachings about how you live sexually, you're not ignoring man. You're ignoring god So if you choose to live that way if you disregard god You're not disregarding people. You're not disregarding sexuality You're disregarding god's character and his righteousness So, if punishment bothers you, because that carries so much baggage for so many of us, that idea of God punishing anybody, let me say it this way God will ensure, if you're His child, that you are disciplined and that the consequences of living in lust and sinfulness will follow you. God will make sure that that happens. You will be dissatisfied with your spouse, you will be consumed by passion, it will become your idol. You will be dissatisfied with yourself You will be incapable of normal relationships with other people, especially those of the opposite sex You will give up disproportionate things To act out on and to keep that thing close to you Because it is your idol And God will make sure that those things get visited fully on you Like, well, God's really mean Uh Uh-uh, no, 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 do you know God? Do you know God? He loves you. He is holy and he is just. And he wants you to be just like him. Be holy as I am holy, right? He visits these things on you like, oh my gosh, I'm safe. I don't have any sexual desires at all. I'm like a eunuch, right? I've already beat this. This is not a problem. Well, let me ask you this. Maybe you don't have these sexual desires burning in you, but you're over-sexualizing yourself. We have so many venues available to us now that you can't even kind of have on your phone. You can't even look through sometimes on the internet because people are overly sexualizing themselves on social media platforms. So maybe your desire for getting sexuality isn't such that it's out of control, but your desire to present yourself sexually is out of control. That's your idol, that people would see you a particular way physically. Are you unforgiving? Because you can throw the, the whole, it all just, the details are different, but the same idea is there. Are you prideful? Are you gluttonous? What is your thing? What's your besetting sin? If you choose to live your way and ignore God's way in this, he will make sure that those things get visited on you. Not to destroy you or crush you, but to bring you back to him. To show you their complete inadequacy to be what you want them to be to give you what you want them to give you. Verse 9. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. He's like, you guys love each other really well. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. You're doing a great job here. You're already living a sanctified life You're living in holiness Excel in it, be excellent in it You're loving each other Be excellent in it Keep advancing in your love for one another This is a pretty easy evaluation here Do you love one another? And and I mean In particular The people here that we come together with That we call our church family Who do you love? That's in this room right now Or that usually is here in this room With us. Now, I love you I love most of you most of the time. No, I love you Right So if you're like, well, I love people Then how well are you loving them? How could you love better? How could you love more consistently? This is kind of an easy evaluation question In the family of God In the church of Jesus Christ Who do you love? How are you loving? Could you do it more consistently or better? We've seen some things in The last couple of weeks, I think, that Sort of speak into this Or to give us an opportunity to Think more clearly about this Um, Kanye West, Toby Mack John MacArthur, Beth Moore uh, There have been some just events That have happened uh, In our culture That maybe give us an opportunity To see how well we're loving So we have a new brother In Christ Who happens to be Very well known we have a brother who's in incredible pain we have a brother who's verbally bashing his sister in public here's what's not going to happen is the world sees these things and these are like headline stories I didn't drudge these out of some backwoods Christian ghetto paper these are like frontline stories across the country right now here's what's not going to happen the world around us is not going to go to the Bible and Jesus for answers here's what will happen they're going to look at us they're gonna look at you what are they gonna see in each of these instances what are they gonna see are they gonna see people that love others really well that excel in love love beyond gender issues love despite anything in the past love for the broken love beyond being prideful or being right love for the offender listen I don't know what's gonna happen at the end of the day Kanye West is saying Jesus is king to anybody who will listen right now. Welcome in, brother. Right? I love you and I hope you get the help and the support that you need. I hope you get the discipling that you need to grow up and mature in Jesus Christ. How Are we going to be loving toward that, toward him? Toby Mack, uh, if, you're, if you're a church rat from way back, you know, your DC talk days, he had a son, 21 years old, passed away suddenly the last week. Listen, man, he, he wrote this We don't follow God because we have some sort of under the table deal with him like we'll follow you if you bless us. We follow God because we love him. It's our honor. He is the God of the hills and the valleys. And he is beautiful above all things. Are we going to love that hurting brother really well? John MacArthur's been a Bible teacher. I've read... A ton of his books and commentaries For 50 plus years Are we going to love him well When he does something he shouldn't do I think Beth Moore Millions of people have been transformed By inductive bible study Are we going to love her well And you're like Well I don't even know these people Listen we live in a very connected world You're going to have an opportunity probably to speak about These things to someone What's going to come out of you Excelling in love or excelling in judgment What will they see about love in us? Our offhanded comments, our responses to their responses. Jesus changes lives and souls and hearts, and we are all in his family. Let's excel in love. Excel in love. Holiness and sanctification really have gotten a bad rap. (laughs) A lot of us carry some church baggage about holiness and sanctification holy, we think holy people are boring and mean and unhappy. Holiness means that you can't enjoy life. It's like this conversation goes on. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I went to some friend's house and, and we hung out and we played some cards and um, games and then we went dancing with from some friends and we're like, they're gonna respond with their stovepipe hat. You know what I mean? Like the Puritans. They're gonna be like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You mustn't drink, dance, party, play cards, smoke or chew, or go out with girls who do. Like, that's what most of us tend to think if you grew up in church. That's what it means to be holy. That somehow sanctification means you can't enjoy life. Sanctification probably means the exact opposite. We should be Christian hedonists. We should enjoy life more than anybody else. When you have that idea in your head, that somehow or another holiness is bad because it keeps me from enjoying life then it destroys the beauty and the wholeness that God wants for your life to have God has a beauty and a wholeness for you and it includes it may even be predicated on your holiness and your excelling in sanctification so this morning my question for all of us is this who's ready for this to be the day that you kind of put a stake in the ground and you're like, no more of that. That's not holy. I love it. You gotta be honest, man. God's not into playing games with you. Don't play games with God. I love that, but it's not good for me. It does not drive me to holiness. It does not drive me to sanctification. It has become a little idol for me. And today's the day that I say no more or today's the day that I say to something else more. From now on, I need more of that. Less of me, more of him. Less of sexuality, more holiness. Less unforgiveness, more forgiveness. Less bitterness, more letting go. God wants beauty and holiness. The only question for you to ask today is will you live under the power and the control of the Holy Spirit? Our two great motivations, we talked about them, to please God, to know him, to love him, to please him and to show his greatness to a watching world. So I'm going to ask, this last week, I don't want you to just, where you failed, I want you to give yourself a generalized curve. Did you live in a way that pleased God? Generally speaking, did you live in a way that pleased God? Where did you not please God? How can you please God better? What could you do that would reflect your love for him? and show a watching world how great God really is. Could you close your eyes? We'll be done here. Maybe you need to confess, God, I have lived my life just this last week, how I spoke to my spouse, how I spoke to my kids, how I responded at work, motivations, how I did my work, how I didn't do my work, whatever it is. I need to confess that I did not live in a way that was holy. I didn't walk with you. I didn't please you. I didn't even—I didn't think about it. I want to. I want to. I want to please you. Give me everything that I need to please you. Here's what's awesome. First Peter says he already has. God's already given you everything you need for a holy life. God, let me know what that is. I just want to put a cup in today and pour it over me. Your holiness, your righteousness, every day, practically speaking. My words, my motivations, my actions. I love you, Lord and I want to please you. Thank you, Jesus, for establishing us in, in God. I don't have to be in order to get. Thank you, Jesus, but God, I want to love you and please you with all that I have because of who I am, because of what Jesus has done for me. Gosh, I want to live a life that pleases you. Let me do that. Give me the strength, courage to do that. In your name, I pray, amen. Thank you for being here. Our guys are going to come. Take